What's going on, good people? Welcome to the newest episode of the Poravera podcast. Man, I know y'all hear me say this all the time, but I am genuinely excited about this guest I have on. I'm, I've known the, the, the gentleman for years, but even before I knew him, I was a fan. Um, it's not often I say that someone's younger than me that I look up to, like in the game of basketball. So I'm excited to have him. Um, Dallas Mavericks player development coach, God Sham God. Sham, what's good, baby? Oh man, appreciate P for having me on here, P for real. Cause you know, like you said, I'm I'm admiring yours and you know the work that you're doing and stuff, and I'm proud and happy for you for all the stuff that y'all been doing, you know, over these last couple of years. So it's it's I, all good with me. I appreciate it, Sham. Listen, man, like I was thinking through like questions I was gonna ask you, and I was as I was thinking through your career, it's almost like you have three careers in your story arc, right? I look at it, you, got, you got like a lifetime of a career in like street ball slash a high school career, which we'll get into. Yeah. You have like Providence and the and the league. And then you have yeah. like post slash your current career, man. You have three lifetimes in a career, three yeah. careers, you know, for a lifetime, man. Like, um, but I got to start with the first one, the name, you know, yeah. it, it's not a street ball name. It's not a nickname you gave yourself. Mm -hmm. Explain to people how you got the name, please. Yeah, my, uh, you know, for the people that don't know, my, my father's a five percenter, you know, that's like, you know, considered like poor righteous teachers. You know, you hear the names like uh, Eric B and Rakim, like Wu-Tang Clan, you know, that's like the, the famous people that you hear with the names, the five percenter names and stuff like that. And, um, you know, I know in high school it was kind of confusing because, you know, um, when I was growing up, you know, like the first stage of my, my life, you know, my father got arrested and he wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't around a lot. So like everything I wanted to do, I wanted to like represent my moms and stuff like that. Mm. So like when I used to get in school, cause when I was young, people used to always tease like, oh, his name is God and stuff like that. So when I got in school, I just put it, I just started using Sham God Wells cause my mom's last name is Wells. Cause yeah. one of my pops has never been married or whatever. So I just started using Wells and, um, you know, so then I took on a life of his own until I got to, you know, not to skip ahead, but until I got to Providence. And then they forced me to uh, use my birth name. Did and they then, really? Yeah, because when I got to Providence, they were saying that they can't put uh, a name that's not on my birth certificate on the back of my jersey. Wow. So they was like, either you got to change your name to Shamgar Wells, or you got to use your birth name. And at that time, it's funny because I even looked into it because it was like, of course, like $500. And it was like, <laughs> and it was like, yeah, it cost $500. And I was like, $500? I was like, man, I'm up here oozing, noodling, all that. Y'all talking about $500. I was like, I can get some Jordans and all that. I was like, man, y'all just going to have to use use my name, my birth certificate. And then it, it, then it, and then it, took, it took me back to my childhood because once they put it on my, once they put Shamgar, back as my, I mean, it says my last name, say, oh God, this is his real name. Then like the first couple of months, like the, the media was like tearing me to pieces. Like, oh, who do you <laughs> think he is? So it kind of took me back to my childhood. Like when I used to get teased a lot and, you know, so it, so it just, that's that's how I got my name. My father's name is God, Sham God, you know what I'm saying? And I'm the only one that in my family that used Wells, like even when I was young and I, and I used to say Shamgar Wells, my brother's name is still, my brother always used his, used Shamgar as his last name. So his, his name was Prince Asiatic Shamgar. My sister's name is Shamquan the Shamgar. So 
that's why that's why it was also funny for me because it was like if y'all look at my 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 yearbook yeah y'all could see like my brother's and sister's last name is Shamgar in the Shamgar, yearbook right, right, so right, why right. would my first name be Shamgar <laughs> you know so it was, it was crazy but you know like I said God had his own plan and seamlessly it all worked out for the better sure now that I think about it I just wanted to be in the coach's office when he told you five hundred dollars you're like five hundred dollars champagne is baby yeah exactly (laughs) I'm like I'm like first of all five hundred dollars who's paying this five hundred dollars I know I'm not paying it and if y'all pay it and somebody find out we're gonna be on probation so it's gonna get ugly (laughs) oh man so a young, a young God Sham God's born in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. but but moves yeah. to Harlem, which for yeah. people that aren't from New York, that might as well be like Minnesota, like like Harlem and Brooklyn. Yeah. I don't think people understand yeah. the differences, right? Or and that's, and that's spread apart. Yeah, that's what people don't understand. Is like, for me, for my first from from the first time I was born to nine years old to well eight and a half, I lived in Brooklyn, so. For people that don't know, Brooklyn is like fighting. At this time, Brooklyn was like fighting, dangerous, robbing, stealing. And it was a lot of like other cultures that lived in Brooklyn, you know, because I lived, I lived in Best-Eye and I lived in Crown Heights. So it was a lot of uh, Jamaicans, a lot of West Indian people, stuff like that, that lived right, right across the street, down the street. So when I, when I, moved, to, when I moved to Harlem, I was I was on Brooklyn time. And anybody that know people from Brooklyn, everything they say is, yo, I'm from Brooklyn, son. You know what I'm saying? So it was like, so I was on that time. I was on like, you know, like the grind time, like ready to fight, ready to steal, ready to maneuver, you know. And it was it was just like, yo, I ain't trying to have it, period. You know what I'm saying? Whatever I want, I'm gonna take. That's 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 just like the demeanor and the attitude. But when I got when I got to Harlem, Harlem was like, as people want to say, Harlem is like how Miami is right now, how LA is right now. Like Harlem was flashy, like flashy, yeah. like dudes got the cars, the jewelry, you know, the women are out. You know, even now you go to Harlem, people, people just hang out at the four in the morning just talking. See, yeah. in Brooklyn, you can't do that. You know what I'm saying? So, so like I said, when I got to, when I moved to Harlem, I moved to this block called 142nd Street, which everybody called Crime Square. So it's like one of the worst blocks in Harlem. But the difference between Harlem and Brooklyn is the dudes that's in Harlem, that's that's thugging and all that, they still getting money. Like they still looking flashy. It's like Brooklyn, a Brooklyn thug, you know he thugging. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, so so it's just two different type of thugging, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's kind of like looking at the wire. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you got for Stringer sure. Bell, you got Stringer Bell and then you know, you got, you know, you got the other people. So it's like, you got one dude that's like, yo, I'm a thug, but I'm trying to get this corporate money. Then you got one dude that's like, yo, I'm a thug, I'm a street, and that's all I'm ever going to be. Yeah. So that's like Brooklyn and Harlem. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So And this is you and this is you at nine making that distinction, like, yeah, at nine. Yeah, sure. because like I said, even when, like I said, even when I was, I was like seven and I used to be in Brooklyn, I'm going to school. I'm going to school and stuff with my sisters and brothers. I'm going to White Castle and like me getting robbed for White Castle burgers at seven years wow. old from somebody that's like 15 years old. That's Brooklyn. Wow. Wow. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, you know, that's how I was in Brooklyn. Like, oh, you got some burgers? Let me see. Let me, <laughs> let me smell that. 
just snatch the bag and keep it pushing. You know what I'm saying? But when I got to Harlem, I, like I said, I moved to 142nd Street. And what people don't understand about Harlem, Harlem is like, Harlem is about, like real Harlem is about 20, 20 to 25 blocks. Mm-hmm. So if anybody is somebody, then you know the other somebody. That's how yep. Harlem works. You know Facts. what I'm saying? So, so it's like, and that's how kind of New York works for overall. Like if you somebody is, is somewhere in New York, you know the other somebody. So when I moved and, up there. And Shan, and Shan, we arrogant with it too. Some may say, you know, yeah. such and such, I'd be like, he can't be nobody if I don't know him. <laughs> exactly. So it's like, so it's like if you if you're in Harlem and, and and you in the Manhattan area and all that, you from New York and you like, yo, you know, this and that. If somebody out of town asks you something, you'd be like, nah, I never heard of him. So then, then he can't be nobody. Cause you know, cause cause that's just how New York is. Like he can't be nobody if somebody else from New York don't know him and ain't holding it down. So, you know, so when I moved up there, I went to uh, I went to a school called PS92. And like PS92, like just opened my eyes up to so many things. Cause it was like so many, so many young stars in there. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, for one, for instance, like when I first got there, I made, uh, I met Mason Betha, what people know as Mace. You know what I'm saying? So I, that was like the first kid I met when I moved to Harlem. You know how old I'm are you? How, how old are you and Mace at this time? I'm, I'm nine. Mace is probably, I think Mace is 10 or 11. Wow. And, He's already like the star of the school. Is he's he already really? like, yeah, like teachers love him. He was already <laughs> funny. Like Mace was just like Mace. The funny thing is Mace is the same exact person he is now that he was then, but mm. before the money. You know what I'm saying? So everybody already liked him. He was always funny, but he could play basketball real good. You know, at the time, which I thought was which which I thought was real good because I couldn't play. You yeah. know, and then across the street from where I moved to, you know, Cameron lived across the street. Uh, Big L lived two blocks over. Wow. wow. You know what I'm saying? So I'm amongst, you know, God bless the dead, Ali Mo, the Black Widow. He lives yeah, on the sure. same block. You know, so I'm amongst all these people in this in this one section with the five, five block radius. So that's what I get indulged into, like moving from Brooklyn to Harlem. So it was like, it was just a whole different world. You know, dudes in sure. Harlem was wearing Jordans, all type of stuff, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I didn't even know nothing about that stuff when I moved up there, so, you know. It was Shab, what, was, what was your relationship like with, uh, with like, who were you the coolest with at all? Were you the coolest with Mace at that age? Yeah, at that age, I was I was the coolest with Mace because like, at that age, we had, we had so much in common. And then we went to the same school. Got so we so we automatically see each other every every day and then like I like I was saying uh, yeah it took me to 155th Street and at this point I, at this point I I had never saw basketball before like never like not on TV nothing you know what I'm saying because wow. I was always outside I was like I was a wrestling fan like I used to watch Macho Man Randy Savage Hulk Hogan yeah. <laughs> like I ain't know nothing about no basketball and when I moved to Harlem he took me to a park called 155th Street, for those that don't know, it's Record Park. And he took me on a day where it was an all-star game. So this is like the game of the game. And I when I went up, when I walked in that, when I went up there and sat in the tree to look in the park, like that day just changed my whole life because I was seeing like, I was seeing basketball players, rappers, drug dealers, everybody, I mean, pulling up in flashy cars, 
jewelry on. You know, it was like Madison Square Garden outside, you know, so and I ain't never seen nothing like that. Yeah, and for people that just to put it in perspective, there was no Instagram, no none of that back then. Yeah. So, you know, mm -hmm. you can see a world where a young sham god walks into this thing and it's like, what in the what in the world is this? You know, like yeah. new benzes, mm -hmm. rims, mm -hmm. jewelry, wads mm -hmm. <laughs> of cash, the beautiful women, all that. And you're like, wow, you've never seen it. It's like stepping onto a yeah. movie set. Yeah, so because like you said, it's, it's different now because you got Instagram, got all this stuff. So you see things in real time. At this point, this, like I said, it was a world I've never seen in my life. You know what I'm saying? Because you got to think, me living in Brooklyn, even though it was like drugs and fighting and stuff like that, I'm still immersed in the fabulous in the culture. Mm. So I'm so I'm growing up in, in like a revolutionary household, if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Like... I'm at I'm at dinner time reading my homework out loud, you know what I'm saying? Things like that, because that's how oh, wow. that's how that's how my father had it. So it's like when I when I see movies like that Tupac did and stuff like that, I, I could relate to that because at a young age, I had to read so many books, I had to do so much stuff, and I was taught about Black Panthers and you know, uh, you know, black is magic and being proud of being black and stuff like that. So that's how my household, that's how my household was. You know what I'm saying? I used to um, I used to go to rallies and stuff like that, the rallies every Sunday, and you know, the Allah school on 127th Street. So I didn't know nothing about none of the other stuff. So when I got up there, it's like, I'm like, hold up, like, what's this? Like, you know, and then I'm seeing people do all these tricks and like this is like basketball at its highest, but it's like entertainment. And it's like, yeah. at the same time, like their main thing is to entertain the fans. It wasn't like mm -hmm. much more about like, who's the best this, who's the best that. It was more like putting on the show. So that's how I was first introduced to basketball. Yeah. Love it. And then, so from that point on, you start hooping, right? You, mm -hmm. you start hooping and, and you have told one of my favorite stories all time and I can't tell it half as good as you can. So I want you to, you to please about your gym teacher. Explain yeah, to the so, people your gym teacher with, please. Yeah, so so it's so funny because like at that time when I went up there, then I start then I start lying. I'm, I start saying, yeah, I'm I'm nice in basketball, but I would never play. I would never play with nobody. I'd be like, oh, I'm nice. So what I did was I just sneak to the park every night and just dribble and stuff. So that's how people used to see me at night in the park. Because during the day I would not go on the court with people because I was always like, yeah, I'm nice in ball. Y'all don't want none of this. So I go every day. So then the next year, you know, I'm kind of okay, but the only thing I know I do is tricks. I know I do these tricks and stuff. So I go to school and I go to school called two, uh, 275, 175, 275. And my uh, PE teacher is like, yo, why are you doing all these tricks? You know, you fast and stuff. You need to like focus and learn. Cause you know, I could tell you got skill set, but you need to, and you know, and I'm like, what? I'm like, man, if this old man don't shut the fuck up. Like, this, this is how I'm talking. I'm like, this old man don't shut the hell up. You know, think, who do you think he talking to, man? This man don't know who you talking about. I'm like, I'm nice. This is what I'm telling him. And he like, man, you don't know how to play. I'm like, man, I'm nice. Like, and, and this is going on for like at least two weeks, back and forth. I'm like, I'm like, oh, here come this old dude talking shit again, like this, this, and that. So I, uh, I go uptown. And one of my friends, they give me a cassette tape, and it's called Below the Rim. 
And he, he like, yo, I know you like to dribble. He like, yo, you should look at these point guards. Look at this uh, cassette tape. So I'm like, all right, cool. And to say below the rim is like Magic Johnson, Jason Kidd, Kevin Johnson, Tim Hardaway. And, but then in the middle of the tape is like Pistol Pete, Earl Monroe, a guy named Tiny Archibald, you know, these other people. So I'm watching the tape and I'm like, I watched this tape at least like 10 times. Still. Never once put the two two together. You know what I'm saying? Because because you know on the tape they keep saying Tiny Archibald. So I'm like, yeah. oh, I'm like. So then I finally look and I'm like, man, I'm like that dude look like my gym teacher. <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm like, nah, there's no way he's my gym teacher because you know my gym teacher name is Nate. You know, so I'm like, this guy's name is Tiny, and I'm like, well, maybe he related to him. And then I so I'm looking at the tape again. And then that's at the time period where I really wanted to learn how to dribble. So I used to play all my tapes in slow motion so I could learn the mm-hmm. footwork and learn hand-eye coordination and stuff like that. So I'm like, man, these dudes got like the same hairline, the same head, everything. <laughs> so now I go to school and now I'm like playing detective. I'm just watching him, like watching his mannerism and stuff like that. But see, the thing that had me the most is, is like, you know, like today, how people think if you're in the NBA, you are automatically rich. You know yeah, what I'm nah, saying? That wasn't it. Yeah. Exactly. So when I'm seeing him in school, I'm saying this can't be him because he played the NBA. This dude got to have money. You know, this is right. how I'm thinking. Of course. Yeah. So then I'm, I'm looking at him and then I just got enough courage and I was like, is your name uh, Nate Archibald? <laughs> like, he like, yeah. And I'm like, did you play in the NBA? Like, now I'm like, you know, getting antsy. I'm like, you play in the NBA? <laughs> he like, yeah, you know, I did a little something and I was like, and I had the tape, I pulled the tape, I was like, are you, are you this guy on this tape right here? And he's like, yeah, I'm like, why you didn't tell me you played basketball? <laughs> he's like, he's like, ah, oh, you kids, y'all think y'all know everything. So, you know, I was just letting you just be how you want to be. And from that day on, I was like, uh, I was like, what's one thing you could tell me? And this is no lie, this is one thing he told me, he said, if you learn how to dribble good enough, you will always be worth something to a team. And wow. from that day on, I, I mean, I was already practicing dribble from that day on. I used to practice dribble at least six, seven hours a day nonstop. It was like crazy. Wow. Wow. So you you go from there. You obviously become a real ball player. Mm -hmm. You end up at at LaSalle. Yeah. I want want if you can, because I don't know if, you know, I have a lot of young listeners. If you can paint a picture of like what New York City high school basketball was back then, like, who the players were, how real deal mm-hmm. it was, like how competitive, like what was your experience like at LaSalle and New York City basketball? Oh man, like at that point, New York City was like at its highest form of basketball. You gotta think, uh, Felipe Lopez was like Michael Jordan of basketball. Like Felipe Lopez, no point intended, was like the first LeBron James, you know yep. what I'm saying? Cover Sports was, Illustrated, yep. He was on Cover Sports, he was on Cover Everything. I mean, one time they did this poll and they was like the most influential people in New York. Felipe Lopez was number nine. Patrick Ewan was number 25 <laughs> at the time, bro. Like this dude's a junior in high school. You know what I'm saying? So you got to think I'm I'm growing up in the era is uh, Kareem Reed, is Ray for Austin, is uh, Stephon Marbury, is uh, Ed Coda, is Shaheem Holloway, Tim Thomas, wow. you know, and, and, and Reggie Freeman. All these, all these like great, great high school players. 
and, and, and the thing that was funny about it is because this was before prep school and it was before, it was even before public school, like Catholic school was supposed to be sought, but it was like the highest form of basketball back then. Yeah. Like, because yeah. all the rough kids went to Catholic school. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, the style, you had, you had yeah, exactly. And then you had schools where you had like people like Cameron that went to Manhattan Center and Mace that went to Manhattan Center and people was going to like King High School. Sherman Anderson, Sheldon Jefferson was going to Bishop Lachlan. And I mean, it was, it was, it was like, New York was like at its highest. And that's the one thing I loved about New York because it was like the era I grew up in, like New York was like number one in everything, like basketball, mm -hmm. music, music, everything. Yep. You couldn't, you couldn't have an all American team without having at least two or three people from New York. You know, you had Big Zinder Hamilton. And when I, when I first went to LaSalle, Cause I was gonna go to Rice first, but then all my friends went to Rice, and my mom's was like, "Oh, you can go there, cause you you're not gonna you're not gonna you're not gonna do nothing but get in trouble and this this and that." So I remember I went to LaSalle for a visit in uh in the eighth grade, and the JV team they didn't have enough people to play a scrimmage, and they was like, "Hey, Shim, you want to play?" I was like, "Yeah." And so I played, I play. I never forget. I played against St. Anthony's. I had like forty four points. And Bob Hurley Sr. was like, man, what, what grade you in? Like, you know, he's like, what grade you in? And I was like, oh, I'm in the eighth grade. He was like, what? And then from that day forth, I was like, I started building like credibility, credibility for playing basketball for real. Cause in the street, I was I was already good at this point. I was doing like tricks. I was I was like in the, in the eighth, ninth grade playing 155th street. So it was like, that was like one of my dreams. Cause I was like, if I make the 55th Street, I could make it anywhere. You know, sure. not knowing, not knowing that, you know, it's a long way from the NBA and stuff like that. But, you know, coming from New York, that's one of your goals. So when I went to LaSalle, you know, say Rays was like the number one team. Cause even before then, Talentine was the number one school in the country. Yeah. And then Red they called Red Autry, Brian Reese, all of them. Yeah. And then they closed down. And then they and then the people from that school went to Rice or St. Raymond's. Got it. So then St. Raymond's and Rice became powerhouses. And you know, the, the big thing with me was about playing. So then I went to LaSalle and I um I started on varsity as a freshman. And that was like a big thing back then. Because the only person that only person that was doing that was uh Stefan Marbury. And before that, Kenny Anderson had did it. And I was such a big Kenny Anderson fan, so I was like. Anything Kenison did, I wanted to do at that point. Like even to the point where I got my hair cut like him. I used to try to walk like him and all this <laughs> other stuff with the Diddy Bop. And you know, it was that that so that was like the picture of New York because all the players in high school was like rock stars at that time. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Sp speaking of that, Cam, I saw a picture of you, uh, uh you, Steph, and Big. Just a yeah. man, you were, yeah, it was like after a game or some shit. Like what? Yeah. Talk about that. Like when we say like the like, I think the most overused word right now is culture. But when we say like the culture in New York City back then yeah. was basketball. Talk a little bit about like who came to games, what that was like. Like you guys were real rock stars at seventeen. Yeah. So it was like you know at that age you have like you have you have big coming to games. You have Jay Z coming to game. Of course you have Fat Joe coming to game. You know, I, I remember I remember Spike Lee coming to the game when when at this time he was on the top of his stuff. This is this is this is right before he did he made the movie with uh Ray Allen and stuff, you know, and um and you know you had you had all these people coming to the game because like you know 
when New York City at that time, whether it was me playing, Steph playing, Felipe playing, that day all drugs stopped. <laughs> all <laughs> drugs came stopped. Up to the you, had, yeah. you had all the drug dealers at the game. You had, you know, I, I remember being young and I'm going to see Sherman Anderson play and Booger play and Doc Turner before Doc Turner mm -hmm. got messed up. That's the tournament Puff used to have for Christmas before they had the concert and the, and the, and the unfortunate yeah, the thing happened yeah. to yeah, the incident. But that was like, that was like the number one tournament where dudes come with the Sherl and keep pull, dudes pulling up and BMW with the BBS rims and all that. And, you know, everything you see in paid in full, they come into the games and, you know, I'm going to games and at, at every game I'm leaving with two bags of Jordans, some clothes, and, <laughs> you know, like, like, I don't even, yo, I don't even understand how we even survived in that time, man, cause it's like, like, cause you know, you know, what's funny about that era is like, not until I got older that I was like, man, I lived in the ghetto, you know what I'm saying? Because at that time I got everything I ever wanted. Like if I wanted Jordan, mm -hmm. got Jordan. If I, if I wanted, if I wanted, uh, Clothes and gear, gear. If my mom's needed rent money, rent money was paid. So it was like, I never felt like anything was out of normal yeah. until I got older, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it was like, I, I remember I remember 12th grade year, you know, Steph had, the, Steph had a car, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> he had the Acura Legend. That's when the Acura Legends was like the top yeah. of the food chain of cars. Yeah. And like, he had an Acura Legend, you know what I'm saying? So it was like, it, it was it was that just that type of atmosphere. I remember I was 17 years old and I, I first I found out I was about to have a son. And then I went to Gauchos and I'm like, yo, I'm about to have a son. You know, I need to be on my own. And they like, all right, cool. We're going to get your apartment. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can't we'll imagine right now. <laughs> I can't imagine right now, you know, you know, my son or somebody at 17 living in an apartment by themselves, like with they with they lady and the kid and all that. So it was like, so that's what I said. When I look back, I'm like, man, like we was living in the crazy times, like for real. Let me ask Sham. So I, I I think back like in the history of the game, the history mm -hmm. of the game, street ball, NBA, collegiate, there may be, if I'm lucky, I can name five moves or players or just things, right? So like to this day, you know, may he rest in peace. We all shoot at the trash can and still say Kobe, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, mm -hmm. do the, you do the Kareem sky hook, you know, things yeah. like that. Yeah. You know, the sham God. Yeah. This is internationally known, this move. It is globally. I've, I've seen kids, literally with my own two eyes, I've seen kids do this in Shanghai on playgrounds. Mm -hmm. I've seen Lamar Odom do it at the Rucker and people lose their mind. Yeah. I've seen little kids do it and dribble it off their leg and get benched. I've seen it everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. When was the Sham God created? In uh, I was in my, my freshman year. See, for me, it was created like in ninth grade of high school. Like I remember I saw, I'll never forget who, who I probably say right now still to me is the best dribble I've ever seen in my life. There's a guy named Sherman Anderson and people don't even know who that is. You know what I'm saying? And when I when I was coming up, it was like him, him and Booger was like like people that I admired. Like nice. I mean, like like they just changed my my whole thinking pattern for his dribbling. And I remember Sherman, he used to he used to do this move where he'd come up the court just one hand crossing over, just one hand crossing over, like like nonstop, just fast. And I remember I was so fascinated with that. I was like, man. 
I need to learn how to like do one hand crossover, one hand crossover. And then I used to see, you know, of course everybody know who skipped to my Lewis Rafa. So, and uh, Rafa used to come with the court skipping and things like yep. that. And I'll never forget in high school, I threw it because the, the video is out there because every time they show something, they show this one move in high school where it's like four or five people trying to trap me at half court and I'm dribbling through the people at half court. And right then and there, I threw it behind my back. But what happened was I did it a little bit different. I threw it behind my back and did this and did this and pulled it back. Cause like I said, I wanted to learn how to one hand cross. So I threw it behind my back, ran and pulled it back. So, but it just looked like a move. So nobody really, mm -hmm. nobody never really like looked at it like that or picked it up like that. The, the, the problem was, all the stuff that I did dribbling wise since high school, everything just grew so big. Mm. So then, you know, I played in the McDonald's All American game, and Howard Garfinkel was like, oh, you know, Shamgar's probably the best dribbler since God bless the dead Marcus Haynes and all this other stuff. And, you know, everybody always knew me for that. So then in the NCAA tournament, I used to practice with my guy, Corey Wright, right? But he was my running mate. We used to practice every night, and I used to be like, man, I'm gonna do this move where I, like I'm acting like I'm running one way and pull it the other way. And Corey's always be like, oh man, that yo, if you mess up, it's just gonna look crazy or whatever, whatever. <laughs> That's a bad idea. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what happened was we played against, I'll never forget, we played against Rutgers and Jeff Billette was the point guard. And I go to the right side of the court, I tell the big man to move out the way. I throw it between my legs and I try to like blow past him. And when I blew when I blew past, him, I kind of lost the ball. And when I lost the ball, I just ran so hard so so he wouldn't get the ball. And my inside hand was like the closest to the ball. So then I just oh, snatched man. it. Yeah, I just pulled it back. And then mm. because I watched film so much that night, me and Corey used to watch film, and I'm like, yo, this could work, this could work, this could work. Wow. And it was a couple of games besides that I tried, like I was trying to do it at the right times. And it just so happened that the NCAA tournament and, and on the stage that I was on and how big it was, when I did it against Arizona at the time of the game and, you know, we from New York, so we got that flair for flash and all that. So when I did it in the NCAA tournament, it's still, for me, it's, for, it's so funny because for me, it was just, okay, another thing I just did. You know what I'm saying? And then it was like, it's kind of like when I listened to 50 Cent talk and 50 Cent was saying how, man, the craziest thing, no matter how good songs I have, wherever I go, people want to see, want me, always want me to sing in the club. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So yeah. it's like, so it's like all the dribble moves I had done in my life <laughs> that I think is way better than this. And I'm like, yo, I'm like, so I do the move, I come home, that summer, I'll never forget. I come home, I come to Harlem. I'm just sitting there and I go to the park. I'm like, you know, my normal routine, go to the park, chill. We watching the game and the little kid comes up. He gotta be like 11 years old. And he's like, oh, he's dribbling and all that. And I'm like, oh, you know, you just play with the kids. I'm like, oh, I'm a still lot. I'm a still lot. So then he throws it out. Cause he, I just, he don't even know who I am. So he do it and he like, oh yeah. He's like, oh yeah, look, I just shammed you. I just shammed you. Wow. And I'm like, and I'm like, and I'm tripping because I'm like, what? What are you talking about? Like, I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, yeah, I just sham guard you like that. So my boy is standing with me. My boy is like, you know who you talking to? You know who you talking to? And he's like, nah. He's like, this sham guard. He's like, 
you're not Shamgar. Shamgar's not a person. <laughs> Shamgar's like that. And and then from that day forth, it's like it's like how you buy a car that you've never seen. And then when you get the car, you see everybody with the car. Yeah. From that day forth, everywhere I went, everybody's like, oh, Shamgar, the Shamgar, the Shamgar. To the point, even when I went to Summer League with the Wizards, I'm bringing up the court, and Gary Payton was like, oh, you think you're going to sham guard me? Yeah, you think you're going to sham guard me? <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> like, like, what are they talking about? And that's, wow. you know, so that's, so that's how, I, so that's how it happened. And it, like I said, it was the idea, but then the idea formed off a mistake that I did, and I just reacted. Because I always practiced learning how to dribble, to, to have so many moves that now I just be react off whatever the defense do. You know what got I'm saying? It, the problem with kids today, they they practice moves instead of practicing just learning how to dribble. You know, and um, that's that's the thing. Yeah, because like most kids, they practice moves. So no matter what the defense do, they're going to do that move. I'm going to do like, this move, right. Yeah, yeah. And it's like if you that. practice how to dribble, you're going to react. You know what I'm right. saying? So, right. yeah. So I want to talk um, ABCD. For those of you that don't know what ABCD is, I mean, it was like the cream of the crop. I played basketball all my life, was not good Mm -hmm. enough to smell an ABCD invite. Um, But uh, you got an invite to ABCD, which is a huge deal, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Which in a way, it kind of solidifies you like on a a national stage, right? Of like, you're Mm -hmm. not just a New York great. You're like with the big boys. Um, I want you to tell the story about your roommate at ABCD, please. Yeah, so I I go to ABCD and um, you know it's a it's a it's a kid there, skinny like six six, and you know at this time like I was like I was saying like at this time you know we young so everybody from outside the country the only place you know is France, <laughs> so obviously he's not from France, <laughs> so you know he's from Italy, so you know so when he came I'm like man you know this French kid in my room man this dude tripping like. I'm like, yo, this dude think he's Jordan. Like, yo, he walk like Jordan, chew gum like Jordan. I mean, you know, and then, you know, when you're young, you know, you make fun of stuff like that. You're like, yo, man, he's, he's sweating Jordan. Like, who he think he is or whatever. So now we get on the court, and this is, like, my first official summer, of, like you said, of blowing up because mm-hmm. I'm invited to ABCD. So now I'm being taken serious. And he's taking up all the shots i mean <laughs> all the shots and i'm like i'm like yo i'm like who the f i'm like who the fuck he think he is like which, I'm which the by man. the way which by the way at abcd you trying to get your shit off too right you're trying to you trying yeah, to yeah that's the, and you coming there saying. with a name already yeah that's what i'm saying <laughs> so this is my first official time coming somewhere with a name and is in jersey so it's in my backyard right. your backyard you know, yeah. and i'm like i'm like who do he think he is like i'm the man like, I'm the man, like, this supposed to be for me, you know what I'm saying? Because at this point, at this point, we really ain't know who he was. And then they're like, yo, that's Kobe Bryant, you know what I'm saying? His father used to play in the NBA. So we're like, oh, okay, whatever. Who care about what his father did or whatever? <laughs> and um, I'm like, he's shooting fadeaways like Jordan. He's doing all this stuff. He ch-. So we like, so, you know, so, you know, I'm from New York. So I'm on the team with other people from New York. I'm like, yo, we're not going to give him the ball. You know what I'm saying? We're not passing him the ball. You know what I'm saying? Because he's shooting all the time. This that. So, like, right after the game, at the time, his father was coaching at LaSalle College. Okay. So then his pops came to me. And that's the only reason why I even 
was talking to his pops because I'm like, oh, he had LaSalle College. You know, I go to LaSalle, like, that'd be dope. You know, I'm just, you know, I'm young, so I don't know no better. So then he's like, hey, you know, um, my son is good. You know, he really, uh, his only thing he really don't know how to do is dribble, whatever, whatever. And I'm like, and like at this point, my reputation is like super sky high as far as dribbling. So I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, yo, if you want to work out, we could work out. I come every morning like six o'clock before the camp start to work out. But I, I'm just saying it just so he could be like, nah, he's not going to come like there. So I get to the gym. It got to be like 630 or something like that. He's already sweating. Full blast. So now we're going through, we going through all this dribbling stuff. And, and in high school, I used to wear ankle weights on my wrist. So it could make my hands faster as far as dribbling. So I was just telling him, like, yeah, you know, put these uh ankle weights on your wrist, stuff like that. And I was like, cause it'll make you um it'll make you learn how to dribble wide, you know, because at that time, and that's what I tell people. I said it's not a lot of things I would take credit for, but the one thing I would absolutely take credit for wasn't nobody dribbling outside of the box until I started dribbling outside of the box. And what people don't, if people don't understand what that means, that means like, if you look in the 80s to the early 90s, if you look at even, if you look at the great dribblers, Isaiah Thomas, Tim Hardaway, Kevin Johnson, when I say dribble in the box, they dribble close to their body. Real tight, yep, real tight. Yeah, yep. real tight. So even if you look at Ross Strickland, like you dribble real tight. So, because what happened is when you pick the ball up, it's easier for you to go into your shot. But you really don't cover as much ground. You know, mm-hmm. so when I when I first started putting ankle weights on my wrist, it, it happened to me by accident. Like once I took those those ankle weights off, my arms used to fly, like move so fast. So I had to wait to to get the speed of my arms back. You know, like the first thing, you know, it's like you wear a weight vest and you jump when you first take the weight vest off. You 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 know you got to get it all together. So that made me dribble wide. Because once I took the ankle weights off, my arms used to just fly, you know. And then I had long arms. So so then everybody started saying, oh, you know, when in the beginning, he's like, oh, that's that kid with the wide crossover. That's what they used to always say. And all like, oh, he got the wide low crossover. He got the wide low crossover. And then I was always telling Kobe, like, yeah, you know, you take the air out the ball, let it bounce like three inches. So you learn how to pound the ball and stuff like that. And then me and him just sparked like an amazing relationship. Like it was, it was, it was like, it was like one of the it was like the, it started off funny, but then it turned into like just a crazy relationship because his work ethic was like my work ethic. And then he he admired my stuff and I admired his stuff. And then of course, I didn't know he was going to become Kobe Bryant, you know what I'm saying? And then- Sham, let me, let me ask Sham, even back then mm-hmm. you could you could see his work ethic. You probably couldn't see his greatness back yeah. then, of course, but you could see his work ethic for sure. Yeah, and like I tell people, I said the one thing I could say for wholeheartedly, when we used to work out and when I met him, he knew where he was going to end up as far as basketball player. Like he knew, like he knew. And then even in the midst of me going to the Wizards to me going overseas, we we always like talk and stuff like that. And he always like, you know how some people say, oh, I'm going to be better than this person. I'm going to be better than that person. He felt he was better. He was just as good or better than Jordan. That felt. Like, it wasn't no make-believe or fronting or this or that. Like, he 
he really believed that and he worked he worked like he believed that and even back then like he was everything he was doing in NBA he was doing in ABCD like only thing was added was dribbling but like his confidence and and his and his and I credit that to him living overseas because even when I got older and I lived overseas you don't you learn how to not to deal with people's opinion and criticism of you because you're always by yourself already. Mm. So I think that mm. helped him Great at point. an early age. You know what I'm saying? I think that helped him at an early age to deal with even when he went to the Lakers and they was you know saying showboat stuff like that. I think it helped him to deal with it because he's he's always he's he was he was so isolated in an early age that he learned how to just channel all of that and not worry about what people felt and and just believed in himself. Love it. I, w- I want to skip. I mean, your career at Providence is very well mm-hmm. documented. Your career with mm-hmm. the Wizards is very well documented. Mm-hmm. I, I want to ask you a question. <clears throat> it's, it's so interesting to me, man, because I've seen it. It's I've seen people that have had 10 year NBA careers. <laughs> stars, you know, that don't get necessarily the love or maybe the respect. I'm, I'm not saying mm-hmm. this because you and you, my man. Yeah, I've seen it. I, I've been in. I've been in Vegas, and you know this. You're around ball players for a living. It's like yeah. I've been in Vegas, mm-hmm. and you know when it's time to move, like yo, we're going from the lobby to the cars. We're not stopping. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've been in Vegas. The last time I saw you in Vegas, I was with Bron, and yeah. Bron was like, "Oh shit, Sham!" And we stopped. Yeah, yeah. His dap, his love. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where do you think that like that love and respect from the kids and dope boys in Harlem? to the greatest NBA players and legends comes from, they all show respect all alike. Where do you think that comes from, man? And what's that mean to you? And do you feel that? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel it. And I think I think it's because, I, you know, for me, I show, I mean, like I said, I knew you forever. Like for me, I show respect and love to everybody. You know what I'm saying? Facts. And, 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 and I think I think people, people could see my, my genuineness and my love, like, for them, you know what I'm saying? It's not like, oh, I gotta say what's up to him, or I gotta say what's up to him. And I think it's because I'm always here to to give back. Like people don't understand like how many conversations I done had with people that's in the NBA that stars now at, at their weirdest point in their life. You know what mm. I'm saying? Just about just about my ups and downs and about like real, just just being real with people and not telling people exactly what they want to hear, you know. You're around greatness every day, you know, and you're not around greatness every day because you agree and you say yes to everything that's being facts. done. You know what I'm saying? That's facts. You know, and and real people of real greatness, they appreciate honest opinions. You know what I'm saying? So, and and I'm always there, like, you know, whether it's whether it's whether it's, whether even like with Trey Young, like for instance, like even like with Trey. I mean, when I first met him, his father was like, "Yo, you no, know, can you come check my son out?" You know, I was in uh, Peach Jam. And I'm like, all right, cool. I'm like, you know, I guess at that time he thought I probably wouldn't come. I'm like, yeah, where you play at? He was like, yo, you play at the gym. Is that is that two in the afternoon? I said, oh, I'm coming. And he was this is when he was only in the 10th grade. And he was like ranked like the fourth point guard. You know what I'm saying? And his father was like, yo, you know, this guy's ranked, this guy's ranked. And I was like, all right, I'm, I'll check him out. I'll tell you what I think. And I was sitting there and I'm like, yo, I'm like, yo, he's skilled. You know, and he was like, yeah, he was like, can you think you could talk to him after the game? I said, yeah. And I just talked to him about some stuff. And then the stuff I told him, I came to the game the next day and he did everything I was saying. Oh, wow. You know, yeah. and then and then me and him formed like a relationship. You know what I'm saying? Like me and his pops is close to this day. Me and Trey is close. 
you know, and it's just, it just comes from a real standpoint. Cause I feel like when I was coming up at critical parts of my life, when I needed to talk to somebody, I didn't have somebody to talk to. Mm. So then I made decisions on the fly on my own. You know what I'm saying? Whether it's good, bad, and difference, I would never change nothing because of the way my life turned out. I love the way it turned out. But at those times, you want you want to talk to people and want people to give you real stuff. So like, you know how I many parents email me on a daily basis like, yo, can you show my son? Can you talk to my son about dribbling? Can you do? And when I meet them and I talk to them, it's like, yo, if you got a problem in college, if you want to hear somebody, you want to hear real advice or you need something, just hit me up. I'm always going to answer. We always going to chop it up. It ain't about charging somebody to work them out. It ain't about that. Because when I, when I grew up, my, my coach worked me out. It wasn't no, yo, you got to do this, you got to do that. And, you know, I think people of real basketball knowledge, they saw my grind. And I, and I think a lot of people, you know, like including yourself, grew up with me because my thing was always out there you know what i'm saying so it's like when you grow up with somebody and and, and somebody show you they're a good person you kind of champion for them to do good you know what i'm saying so when i when i see somebody like lebron and and and, and i'm humbled by the love that they get you know because even like kobe like we, me and kobe worked out in high school we worked out like twice probably from his rookie year to his second year. And then we didn't work out for like, like 17 years. And then when he retired, the first thing he was like, oh yeah, you know, Shango, I taught me how to dribble this. Time. You know what I mean? People I he that, probably yeah. worked out since then. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yep. But you know what I mean? People he probably worked out with since then. And to me, up until that point, I have never told that story until he said it and then somebody asked mm-hmm. him, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because for me, it's just like, yo, I'm not, I'm not in it for that. If I'm, if I'm gonna help, I'm gonna help. The truth don't have to be told because when it needs to be said, it's going to be said. You know what I'm saying? No, and, it, and it's a and, testament to you, Sham. It's like you know, the proofs in the pudding. And like, there's there's people I'll call OGs in the game that mm-hmm. I respect on, on, a, on a personal level. I respect on a basketball level. No nonsense guys. Mm-hmm. I'm, ta- I'm talking Big Shot, Chauncey. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm talking yeah. T. Lou. I'm talking you yeah, know, yeah, Ticket, yeah. KG. Mm-hmm. These guys speak of you like, like you, you know, yeah, that's since, how, that's, pockets and that's why I, it's all up, you know? <laughs> and that's why I said, and like you said, do I like I noticed, yeah, and it's like it's it's humbling because like when you got people like Chauncey, KG, you know what I'm saying, even other people you got like uh, like 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 OG Wan and people like that, people I knew for years, and you know, and, and I come across them and, and 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 they see my love for people and they see my passion, you know. Of course, I got no choice but to be humble to even a person like me working for Mark Cuban, you know what I'm saying? And, and him saying, yo, I got your back no matter what. Because he see the person I am. Like, it's bigger than mm-hmm. basketball. He just see the mm-hmm. person I am. And he see he see my grind and he's like, yo, you know what I'm saying? I'm here for you. You know, and, and when I see and when I see that type of stuff happen, things happen organically, you know what I'm saying? Even when yeah. you was up there at Nike and I used to come up there and I see you and stuff like that. Sure. How you used to, how you used to take care of Dre Barrett, Satin, all of them, you Always. know what I'm saying? That's, yep. that's all love. So when, so when, so, so when stuff happened for you and you transfer over with LeBron and everybody champion, they're like, yeah, that's, that's good people. That's a real dude right there. Yep. So like the one, the one thing I'm humble most is about, is about, I get to, I get to live in my inspiration. You know what I'm saying? Like most people, mm-hmm they pass away or something and then they be like, oh, he inspired the whole generation. He inspired this. 
me being back in the NBA, I get to see it live every day. So I have no choice but to be humble mm. when I hear, I love when I see somebody on the other team like, oh, he did the sham guard. Or even whether it's Dwight Howard, anybody comes to me like, yo, OG, I might do the move in the game and stuff like that. Like people <laughs> don't know like how humbling that is for me because I'm like, in a million years, I could have played in the NBA 30 years and been an all-star and I could have fucked it up. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So for, for things to work out, like you said, for me to play 20 games in the NBA and be just as famous or more famous than people that played 10 years and all that, then I, I know some something is going right. I know that. And no, that's I, something that's out of my control. I love it, man. And then, so you end, how do you end up with the Mavs? You know, I, I don't think people understand like, like the, the role you hold player <laughs> development. I believe there's, yeah. there's one, is there one player development coach per team or is it like by skill set? How's that work on most teams? I know it's different. Probably. Yeah, on, 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 <laughs> on, most, on most teams is like one, maybe two. And like you said, for me to be on the Mavs, like to be, and, and that's the thing, like, cause people like, when people first think about it, they think about it like, oh, it's about dribbling, it's about this. No, when you when you developing somebody, you developing somebody whole game, you know what I'm saying? It's not about, just about that. And when people come to my workouts, they, they, they like, they pleasantly surprised cause they be like, man, like, the least thing we did was dribbling. Like he started off like I thought you were gonna do figure eight all day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's like they like, nah, he really know what he's talking about, like to the point where 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 I could give advice to to Dirk Lewinsky, a Hall of Famer that's been in there 20 years, that ain't dribbling. But he mm-hmm. talking we talking about getting into his shot or moving without the ball or something like that. And to to me doing stuff with Luka Dantich and Christoph Porzingis, that's totally two different positions on the court to Tim Hardaway Jr. and Seth Curry. You know what I'm saying? So every day I'm humble. And at the same time, every day is not about me. And I think that's what most people see, whether when they see me, whether it's LeBron, whether it's Dane Little, whether it's John Wall, like all these people on court, they always, they see, like when they see me, it's not about me. It's about the work. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And And, and like you said. And I'm I'm mm going to be, sorry to cut you off, Sean. I'm going to be... You're, you're way too humble a guy sometimes. The reason why I was asking about how many coaches, it's like, I don't think people really understand. Just do the math of like how many people have played in the NBA, how many people yeah. retired. I don't think people realize how competitive those jobs are. You know, you're talking one, oh. maybe two player development guys per team. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. so the fact that you're, nah. you, you have that gig and you hold it down so well at the highest level, like that's not, a, that, that might be more impressive than making it to the league to hoop. Nah, you know, it's funny that you say that because, uh, like, even last year, like, uh, me and Coach Kyle, I was talking, and that was one of his things. He was like, he was like, man, besides basketball and all that stuff, he's like, I'm just so impressed on, like, how you handle everything, you know what I'm saying? And and this, and this, and then the reason why is because, as you know, where we come from, it's so many people that got talent that could do stuff, but it's like getting in the doors is so hard. Wow. So, so I always try to make it my business to make sure I'm doing the right thing because I want to. I want to leave the door open for other people. I don't want to shut the door. I want to leave the door because, like, when GMs and stuff ask me about player development, like, hey, what you think about this person? What you think about that person? I'm like, yeah, but I'm like, yeah, it's some it's dudes back home that's getting it in too that people don't know, and 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 they they can get busy. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They just need a shot, and you know. And when I talk to dudes back home, I let them know like, yo, you just gotta keep grinding and keep working 
but the the main thing is when you get in there, you got you got to be right. You know what I'm yep. saying? Because, like you said, everybody not privileged to get in certain circles, and some people when they get in circles, they still think they could be the way they was before they got in the circle. And it's right. like it's like when you're dealing with people with a billion dollar corporation or people that's that's billion dollar corporations by themselves. Like you, like you deal like LeBron, he's a billion dollar corporation himself. It's like, yeah, you can't have anybody and everybody just access to that because like, what are we doing here? Sure. You know what I'm saying? And, so and, and, like, Sham, and half of it, Sham, is like, it's like, I'm sure you get, just like I get, mm. people we have relationships with that are like, yo, <clears throat> you got in, put me on. Yo, I who, yeah. I know this, I know that. <laughs> I had someone, I won't say the name, but you know this yeah, person. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had someone when I was working at Nike, I had a mm-hmm. role open <clears throat> I was hiring for and he heard about it. He's like, yo, let me get that job. And I was like, yo, homie, like respectfully, like it ain't that easy. Like I didn't walk off, like I didn't walk out the cage at West Forth into my job. Like yeah. I interned, yeah, yeah. I did these things. I did all these things. Mm-hmm. And I, but here's, here's the difference. I wanted him to get the experience of interviewing yep. Mm-hmm. and seeing mm-hmm. that there was a gap and then helping him realize that gap and what are the things he needed to do to get there. So yeah. I had him interview. I knew he wasn't going to get the role. I had him interview. Mm-hmm. And he came to me afterwards and was like, wow, you're right. Like, there's so much I don't know. And I think, yeah. you know, a lot of times where we come from, it looks easy how you did it. It looks easy. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know yeah. yeah, of course he's doing that. Yeah, Put yeah. me on. It's yeah. not that easy, <laughs> Nah, not you're that right. Because like, like you said, a whole bunch of people email me all the time and they and I, and you know, and like you said, it'd be that tough time where you gotta have that real conversation with somebody you genuinely love. Facts. And you have to, and you have to tell them like, this ain't all what it caked up to be. Like, bro, you got <laughs> to, you got to really figure it out. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, this is not a homeboy. See, a lot of people don't understand, and you know, because I know you like, this is not a homeboy system. This is not because you my man. So I'ma just do this and do that. I, at the, and I try to tell people, I said, you got, I said, nobody, I don't care who you are. Nobody is not taking a product they don't want because you're somebody homeboy. So you got to have something to offer. And I'm like, the one thing, I'm like, the one thing I'm like, I would like me when I was, when I was going through the process, I would not ask for help until I knew I was in a position where if somebody helped me, it didn't look like help. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So it's like T. Lou, T. Lou is one of my closest friends. You know what I'm saying? Mike Mike Malone was my GA at Providence. Wow. You know what I'm saying? He been a head coach for years. And me and was talking about jobs and all that. And, and, and I was like, you know what? Coach Mike, you know, I don't want to come in until, until I already got coaching and stuff under my belt. Because I don't want to go somewhere and then somebody's like, oh, you only here because you and Coach Malone got a relationship. You don't really know what you're doing. Because then people don't know that worked against you when you get Thanks. there. Yep. Because everybody else did yep. grinding. So so I was like, let me go through Providence. Like people don't even understand. When I was in Providence, I was a GA. Bro, I was spending savings for four years. Because when you're a GA, you can't work. I didn't get paid one dollar when I was at Providence. You know, mm-hmm. and at this point. I'm training Bryce Kai and Chris, Chris Dunn is the number five draft pick. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, bro, like I'm working every day. I'm getting up six o'clock in the morning, every morning. And you know how I many people came to me like, yo, I got this gym. You you could work these people out. You could do this, you could do it. Yeah. You know, it's a gym in LA. I won't even say no name. They came to me with a contract 
for 176,000. Which by the like, way is like which by the way is like 5 million when you ain't making no money. Yeah, five, five, man, you ain't never lie. So like, they come to, they come to me, they come to me, and they like, um, hey, we want you to do this gym, you know, because we know you work out some NBA players, and and just to be the base salary, and we can split the profit. And I was like, oh, okay. And they was like, but you got, you know, you got to leave Providence, move to LA. And then I was like, okay. I was like, well, do that come with benefits and all the stuff? They're like, nah. They was like, but we could give you a three-year deal. And I was like, oh, okay. And mind you, I'm at Providence. I'm not making no money. Money is just going out because I got kids, so money is going out. I'm spending still. So I'm sitting there, and all of my friends, everybody like, yo, you need to take that, this, this, and that. And I'm like, and this is no lie. I kept saying, I was like, nah. I was like, yo, I got to get back to the NBA. I was like, I just got to stay at Providence and be on this bench. So people could see the work. I just need people to see the work. You know what I'm saying? So then people, even my friend, yo, why you didn't call Coach Malone? Why you didn't tell T. Lou? Why you didn't do this? You know, those are your boys. And I'm like, y'all know me. I ain't on that time. Like, I, I don't want handouts. I work for mine. You know what I'm saying? I work for mine. And I was like, I just got to get good enough to where it's undeniable. And, and, and you know what's funny? Like, eight years ago, Kobe told me that same thing. He said, yo, become so good that's undeniable because if you become so good enough, everybody will change for you. Mm. And and I swear, when I got to Providence and being, we, me and Chris Dunn was working out every day, every day, and he went from, like, people was like, oh, we don't know, to the first point guard drafted. Then everybody was hitting me up, like, yo, this is that. Then they start. And then the other people I worked out mattered to them. You know what I'm saying? Because at that yeah. point, it didn't really matter. Because, you know, like, as you know, players work out with different players every day. So it's like, of course. oh, yeah, he worked out with Sham. That's something okay. But he was also working out with this person. So teams is looking like, okay, whatever. But with Chris Dunn, I'm with him every day. So yeah. they're like, oh, that's his work. Yeah. So, you know, and then I start talking to the Mavs, talk to the Lakers, talk to different people. And like I said, me and Mark Cuban just always hit it off. And, you know, the rest is the rest is history. I want to ask you um, two more things before I let you get up out mm -hmm. of here. Bringing it a little full circle, you know, I guess, shit, I don't want to date ourselves, but I guess 20 mm -hmm. years later, yeah, <laughs> from the skinny, the skinny kid from from France. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got you got another phone call from that guy who who um, now is one of the greats, and you know, and it is Kobe yeah. Bryant, right? The Kobe Bryant. What was that phone call about? Man, it was it was so funny because I was at I was at summer league, and I'm I'm sitting there, and I'm just sitting there, and then um. I don't know what happened. I haven't spoke to Kobe at this point in like a year and a half or two years. And uh, somebody called my phone and I'm like, hello? He like, yo, what's up? I'm like, yeah, what's up? And he's like, um, yo, I need you. I need you. I need you. And I'm like, okay. But at this point, I'm still trying to catch the voice because I'm in the middle of something. I'm like, <laughs> and he's like, yo, this Kobe. I'm like, Oh, okay. I'm like, what's up? I'm like, yo, what's up? How you been? He like, uh, yo, I need you to fly. I need you to fly to LA. I'm like, well, you know, I'm I'm coaching at summer league right now. He's like, all right, when that's over. I'm like, I'm like, 
I don't know. It should be over like three days or whatever. He's like, all right, so the day is over. I need you to come to LA. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, bro, I just been at Summer League the whole summer. I'm trying to chill for a minute, you know? <laughs> so so then we get up the phone. I see Nico. And for anybody that know Nico, Nico's had a Nike or whatever. So Nico's like, hey, Cole, actually your number. I said, yeah, I know. I just spoke to him. So then later on that day, he called me. It's like two days later, he called me. He's like, yo, when you could come to uh, California? I'm like, all right, what's up? He's like, um, I need you to uh, work my daughter out. And I was like, oh, okay. And he was like, yeah, you know, she coming along, but you know, I want to I wanna get her, you know, to dribbling and all that stuff. And I, I was like, all right, cool. So mind you, I get there and he's like, I said, so you want me to do player development or you want me to say, nah, I just want you to just work on a handle. So I was like, oh, okay. So he's like, yeah, I got the time, I got the time slots, you know what I'm saying, for the day. And I'm like, time slots i'm like okay i'm like i'm like all right so he's like yeah we're gonna go from 10 to 12 and i'm like 10 to 12 i'm like okay i'm like but you i'm like so you you just want me he's like i just want you to just teach a dribble and i was like all right he was like and you know her team gonna come and i want her team to learn how to dribble too and i'm like all right so i'm like Cole, you know that's a lot of dribbling for 10 to 12. <laughs> Two hours. And he's like, yeah, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just, he was like, I know you could do it. I said, yeah, I could do it. But I'm like, yo, that's a lot for, for a person to even pay attention. For sure. You know what I'm saying? NBA people don't pay attention if you're just doing dribbling for 30 minutes. So I'm like, yeah. yo, that's a lot. And he's like, nah, they can handle it. Don't worry about it. So I get in the gym. First time, you know, I see a we working out, we doing all this stuff. I mean, she's going hard. She just reminds me so much of him at ABCD. So I'm wow. like, man, you know, I'm like, man. So then we end, he like, yeah, yeah. Uh, the car gonna pick you up at uh, two and we gonna go two to four. And I'm like, <laughs> two to four. I'm like, two to four what? And he's like, yeah, I want you to come back two to four. We're gonna do dribbling. And I was like, I was like, are you sure? He's like, yeah. He's like, don't worry about it. They can handle it. I get in the gym. I mean, from the first two hours, I mean, they were so energetic. The next two hours, like, and she's like, oh, did I get a little bit better coach? Did I get a little bit better? And I'm like, uh, and then the parents is in there, the other girls, and Kobe's like, yeah, you know, uh, Sham showed him some stuff. So I'm showing him some drips. Like, yeah, this is all the stuff he was showing me. See, this is what I'm telling y'all. See, look how old he is right now. He still could dribble like this and this, this, and that. And then he was like, man, you know you must be close to me because I got I, I got you in my gym with Pumas on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, so it was just like, so I was there for like a week and then I left and I flew back out. So it was just like, amazing feeling then it was just so it was just so like untimely for me because like a week like two weeks before that we just played the lakers so we had mm -hmm. we had just played lebron in them mm -hmm. and i said what's up lebron lucas said what's up LeBron. so i had brung uh luca over to kobe and when we walked over there kobe was like Gigi, tell sham what you did the other day tell him what you did the other day and she was like Oh, I hit this girl with the sham. I hit this girl with the sham. Oh. And I was like, I was like, oh, that's what's up. I was like, that's what's up. He was like, yo, she really getting it. She really getting it. She really getting it. And I was like, that's what's up. And then two weeks later, we was in OKC. And then 
That's when uh, like my whole my whole world changed that day. I mean, just like for the rest of the world, but it was like it was just it was just real. Like I couldn't even believe it until you know I called the family and I was just like, it was just a lot. But like I said, one thing, like I said, from the first day I met him, he knew he was gonna be legendary. Like he knew like. I've never seen a person like more determined, you know, personally, personally, you know, more determined and just, just knew was just so sure of everything. Even when he retired, you know, it was like, he going, you know, be with Gigi every day. I never seen somebody just more determined in whatever role they picked that it was no stopping them, you know? And, and that, that was like the most amazing thing for me. And, and it was just amazing because like, he was so happy and he was so proud of me too at the same time. Even like when we was there, we was talking about me having my own shoe. And he was just like, you know how many people get a signature shoe? And he was like, for you to have a signature shoe, yo, that is big time. He was like, that's, he was like, yo, that's crazy. He was like, that's, that's crazy within itself compared to everything <laughs> that's going on. And I was like, yeah, I was like, I know. I was like, half of the time, I don't even realize it because I'm still living in the moment of it. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like I said, I just I just want to give people the inspiration that like, you know, even if the plan don't work out like you think it's supposed to work out, that if you work hard and you're a good person, that the plan God got for you is sometimes even better than the plan that you thought for yourself. You know what I'm saying? And that's that's where I'm at right now, you know, whatever you Sham, that's the that's the perfect segue to my last question for you. Mm -hmm. You, you know, as we mentioned. You came up with real guys, right? You came up with yeah, Steph yeah. in my career, and you came mm -hmm, up with Skip mm -hmm. and what he did for the culture. And mm -hmm. then, and then the complete opposite side of that coin is you're respected by Hall of Famers, KG, mm -hmm. and you know, and Chauncey, and all these guys, some mm -hmm. of the great minds. T. Lou's the championship coach, mm -hmm. and now you're coaching and leading, you know, and helping develop Luca, who, who by all means looks like he's going to be the next great one, and Porzingis, <laughs> and and worked with Dirk mm -hmm. and all those things. So you've touched mm -hmm. all these generations. Mm -hmm. What does God, Sham God, want his legacy to be when it's all said and done? Nah, but when it's all said and done, I just I just wanted what my legacy to be that you know I was a servant for the people and I help inspire the people. And like I said, you know, like I live my life in three stages. You know, like what you were saying earlier. So like when I was young. You know, say I wanted to be silly when I got when I got you know as an adult. You know, I wanted to be successful, and right now, this stage of my life, I just want to be significant. You know what I'm saying? And everything I do, and everything I touch, and I just want to be, you know, say I just want to be a beacon and show people that you know, there's other is other ways to go. Like you, like you know yourself. Like people think when you grow up, you can have two friends, and people think that okay, if the one that the one that got all the talent you know, eventually he's going to leave behind the person that really don't have the talent, you know what I'm saying? But the one thing I like about y'all and what y'all doing is, you know, LeBron just showed people it's another way, you know what I'm saying? And Rich Rich is showing people, you know what I'm saying? All of y'all showing people, you, yourself, and, and y'all whole crew just showing people like, and that's what I talk about when I talk to kids. I'm like, if y'all two friends are like, telling parents like, you should be teaching him like, how to be a manager, how to be an agent, how to hold them down. So now they both could grow simultaneously so nobody felt like they got left behind, you know, because, you know, when we come from the communities we come from, what people try to do is make your, your success somebody else's failure. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And, and it, don't, it don't have to be that way because 
Like I grew up in the era where, you know, to the to the police and to the politicians, whatever, they thought this person was a villain. This drug dealer was a villain, but this this drug dealer was paying rent for for kids to go on AAU trips and for kids to go to school. So in my eyes, he was a hero. You know what I'm saying? So it's like mm-hmm. I just I just want to I just want to be a person that things don't always got to look like like people think they should look, and you could get the goodness out of everything and. And where I'm at now and the stuff I'm doing right now, like I said, with coaching and giving back and just trying to inspire the youth. And like, you know, like one of them quotes Tupac used to say, if I ain't the best dribbler ever, I'm going to inspire you the best dribbler ever. I, I bet that'll happen. That's facts, man. No better way to end <laughs> Shannon. It makes me, It makes me genuinely happy to see that you're getting your flowers now. Like I said, it's oh, always man. been love when I see yeah, you. Yeah, definitely. Love whenever your name is mentioned. So I look forward to shit. Hopefully... You know the world comes back to normal and, and we can get up in person and and, and talk our shit and, and do what we do and it's always yeah. good when i see you man i'm proud of you and i'm happy nah definitely man mad love and thanks for having me on p for real for real oh, you, know, oh, you got a champs for sure stay safe out there all right brother yeah all right bro thanks appreciate right, it peace.